Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participation restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to Talk of the Tune, a Newcastle United podcast. It's been a while. My name is Will, and this week I'm joined by my good pals and co-hosts, Ali and Gray. Yeah, right, lads? Yeah, very good here. Not too bad. Yourself? Yes, I feel a, yeah, feel a bit better after doing that fucking intro seven times. It's been, <laughs> been a long old time since we've recorded. God, even longer for you, Ali. What have you been up to, apart from not drinking throughout January? Well, I'm continuing into February, Will. Again, for one of trying, as I haven't been going out that much, I'm currently going through my busy season, so my events are few and far between, and I'm trying to move house at the moment, so uh, the house is looking very polished for once. So yeah, all going on at the start of 2024. How about yourselves? As is. You must be loaded not sinking all your money into booze at the minute. Yeah, good. Also in the process, fingers crossed, of buying a, buying a flat. Lots of mortgage stuff, solicitor stuff, boring shite, but it's exciting, right? Just got to keep telling myself that. <laughs> Gray, what what are you? What have you been up to? Can you top that? I'm not moving house, that's for sure. Yeah, boring. Although I have moved house for the next ten weeks. Well, like after oh. my parents' house and the dogs there, so basically, yeah, all the fun stuff at this end. Very, very house centric. It is yeah, very house centric chat so far. God, it's been so long. I feel like we've lost touch with each other. I'm going to do something a bit cliche to get us going with a, what you call it, an icebreaker. Ali, seeing as you're the less frequent guest, yes. what is your meal deal of choice? My meal deal of choice? There's sandwich, crisps and drink. Or you could do a chocolate bar. It's up to you, really. I mean, this is going to sound... I've worked next to a Waitrose, so I go for the... Oh, of course he does. I go for the brie and bacon sandwich, followed by the okay, chili no. sensations... And I go for a, is it a Yazoo? Yazoo? <laughs> What's the milkshake no, called again? He, do you mean, <laughs> yeah, Yazoo. Yazoo. Fucking hell. <laughs> Yazoo. All I now got in my head is Alison Moye in the back of my head thinking, don't go. Oh my God. <laughs> Fucking hell, great. Just when I thought he was going to challenge you for the most pretentious podcaster on this podcast, he comes in with, with Yazoo, the, the milkshake. And then of course you have to turn around and go, sorry, did you mean Yuzu? <laughs> I don't know how middle class do you Well, you do, sorry. Ali brought himself back down to earth with the Yazoo. Okay, so... <laughs> A bacon and brie sarni. Yep. What was it? Sweet chili sensations. Yep. And a yazoo. What flavour? I knew you were going to ask Just that. Just chocolate. No, no, no. Banana. 
oh, you can get him on a register. Fuck me, that's weird. <laughs> Gray, you've got plenty of time to think about it. Your meal deal of choice, por favor. Got to be it. Tesco meal deal and man of the people gray isn't he is. whatever is going to get me maximum value so I quite like going to the till and paying £3.50 if it's still £3.50 that was the last time I had one yes it is yeah <laughs> and seeing how much discount I get but yeah usually it's just kind of a classic sandwich chicken bacon something like that they do quite a good chicken bacon and lettuce sandwich actually Tesco okay Solomon and McCoy's got to be and then probably like an innocent smoothie or a coconut water or something like that, because it just maximizes the value to spend. You're so frugal. You don't actually you don't actually like coconut water. You're just purely focused on the cost saving. Exactly. I get it. I Such get a it. northern response, wasn't it? Unlike you, Ali. You. Eight pound fifty worth of food and drink <laughs> for only three pound fifty. Like that's my life. I'm not doing meal deal right. I I just have my go to. It's not particularly cost-saving, but mind you, fucking Cozzy lives at the minute. Fucking everything represents a saving on the fucking normal prices. I go, tuna and sweet corn sandwich. I'm with you on the salt and vinegar McCoy's grey, but also I take the crisps and put them in the sandwich. And then... Not a tuna sandwich, though. Yeah, fuck yeah. So tuna, sweet corn sandwich, salt and vinegar McCoy's, and just a bottle of Coke Zero. I like the things I like. Or if I'm feeling a bit jazzy, I'll get a <laughs> I'll get a ham and cheese sandwich with the crisps. Put the crisps always have to go in the sandwich, though. That is a prerequisite of my any meal deal I ever get. And then the Coke Zero, just a, a little spritz in the afternoon, a fucking little lunchtime spritz. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> rate our meal deals at home. I can't imagine we'll come out too well from that. But uh, but there you go. Right, this isn't a, a meal deal podcast. It's a football podcast. So. God, I don't think we've missed very much, have we? Just an entire transfer window, <laughs> an FA Cup match against Fulham away, and two league matches, one at home against Luton, which gave us eight goals, who fucking saw that come in, and another one away, in which we won 3-1 against Aston Villa. It's been a bit of a fucking roller coaster. Where do we even start, though? So, decent results for the tune, so we progress to the next round of the FA Cup where we will face Blackburn in a few weeks' time with John Dahl Thomason's job on the line at the minute, it seems. We managed to bag a fantastic three points at Villa Park, away to Villa, the fucking scum. And then we somehow managed to crawl our way back into the game against the mighty Luton at St. James's Park from 4-2 down to make it 4-4. Were you expecting those levels of results, Gray? I think to beat following the FA Cup, yeah. To beat Villa uh, at Villa Park was outstanding and very much unexpected. I mean, I think I predicted a draw and I was the more optimistic of us all. Yeah, over the moon of that result. And I mean, that looting game was just absolute carnage. Mm-hmm. Having been there and experienced it, it was just, yeah, I don't know what we were thinking at times. Very disappointed with Luton. To only get one point from the two games we've played against them is almost a little bit embarrassing given we've been playing Champions League football this year. <laughs> totally agreed. It was embarrassing. I was pulling my fucking hair out watching that game <laughs> at the pub. Had to be talked down from a ledge from our, our great pal, Jimmy. But he made a good point, to be honest, to try and help me put things into perspective. We would have taken a draw against Aston Villa, but we would have expected a win from Luton. So if you put those two results together, we were probably expecting four points from them at the very most. We came out with four in the end, just not the way you'd expect them to come from at all. We find ourselves ninth in the Premier League currently. We got up to as high as seventh at one point with the win against Villa, but we now find ourselves ninth on 33 points. 
Oh, fucking hell. 11 points shy of Tottenham in fifth place. Ali, would you have taken that for the kind of halfway point of the season at the start of the season? Uh, yeah, and I guess before I kind of delve into it, I'm going to have to redeem myself after my very Tory meal deal. So um, <laughs> I'm going to have to... I'm surprised you didn't go for San Pellegrino. What do they call that? <laughs> uh, Tory, Tory Fanta. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would have. I think, obviously, with last year, I thought we would have had momentum on our side going into this season. Obviously, for the first few weeks, we had been riddled with injuries. And I think there was a point where you just saw this season as a bit of a write-off. This is obviously after the exit from the, the Champions League, the Carabao Cup. I know we're still in the FA Cup, but I don't think we've got enough legs to, to see that through. Interesting. But yeah, I, I would see this season as a bit of a transitional season. Obviously, we've kind of been handcuffed a bit by FFP, a point which we'll discuss later. But I think the main thing is just to get the players fit again, keep our key players, because there's a lot of talk of some players leaving or some contracts running out for certain players. I think this season's slightly different to last season, but obviously there's still a few more months to go, so there's still a lot to play for. So uh, let's see what happens when we get to May. King of the Segway is our mate, Ali. Greg, you really need to uh, up your game. Yes, we'll talk about what turned out to be a, a pretty dormant transfer window, the January transfer window, not just for Newcastle, but for, for most clubs. And of course, contract dilemmas, i.e. Joel Inton and his future at Newcastle United, hopefully looking a bit more positive following a, an Instagram post from him, I think a couple of days ago, but we'll keep our fingers and toes crossed. Like, Yeah, I think I'm personally disappointed with where we are, but I'm more so disappointed with some of the results that we've had, especially over the recent fixtures. So, you know, getting absolutely battered by Nottingham Forest at home, losing to Luton away, as Grace said, one point from two games against Luton. It's embarrassing. It gives me kind of flashbacks to Derby. What was it, their record-breaking season when they got the lowest points yeah. tally in all Premier League history and they got like four points from us or something? Did they have did a double over us or something? Maybe. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I, j- I tried to block it out of my memory. But yeah, they, they certainly got most of their points from us. It gives me kind of flashbacks to that. But yeah, I mean, it seems like the league is kind of rebalancing a little bit. This year, I mean, Liverpool weren't really challenging last year. They're now right up there. Tottenham doing really well. So their added competition, West Ham have, have really stepped things on and Brighton have been consistent as well. So it's a more competitive season this year, but it's no excuse for some of the results that we've shipped this season so far. It is worth noting, though, that Brighton got thumped 4-0 at Luton away, so... It just shows you that even the lower teams in the league mm. are showing up this year as well. I do have a bit of a conspiracy here. And I think oh, that yeah. our, oh, our get teams the tin falls hat out. <laughs> higher of the league, allowing Luton to beat them quite comfortably like Brighton and us, just so Everton get relegated. <laughs> I'd love that to... It yeah, seems quite, like uh, quite a complex conspiracy. I love it, and I would love it if it was true, because I hope they go down just so they can a quarter fill their brand new spanking stadium. But he's doing a good job, that Rob Edwards at Luton. We're not here to talk about him, but what a fucking crazy game that was. We obviously got out of the blocks fairly quickly. Two great goals from Sean Longstaff. We then found ourselves 4-2 down, and we'll talk about him a little bit, but absolutely fantastic to see Harvey Barnes make a return and make such a a great return as well, playing a a massive role in getting us back to 4-4. You think of all the great teams who 
we've got 4-4 results against at St. James's Park. You've got Arsenal with Czech Teotes, fantastic legacy goal. And then you've got Luton Town. <laughs> it was certainly one for the one for the crowds. We probably don't want to spend too long going into the individual results, as fantastic as the result at Fulham was. I don't think we were really that convincing watching it. I think we were quite fortunate. We got some good goals, quite controversial ones if you're a Fulham fan, but we we got through that against Prem opponents. Done Fulham over twice this season already. And then a fantastic, arguably our one of our best performances of the season away at Villa to get that 3-1 victory. Just annoyed that we, we didn't keep a clean sheet in that one. I guess underpinning themes over the last few games, one thing I really want to talk about is game management. King Eddie's game management. Don't have a bad word to say about him. That is, what, what do you call it? Foreboding. But has he been managing games effectively over the last three or four games or since the start of the year, if we include things like the Forest game, Grey, and the Luton game? Do you think Eddie Howe has been managing games effectively or well? I don't think so. I think from a starting lineup perspective, we kind of know what to expect now with how, but especially what's happened in the last two games, which has really caught my eye, is just the lack of awareness of how the opposition are lining up against us and the threat of pace that they've got, not only down our left-hand side, which was blatantly obvious in the Luton game, also in the Villa game after they brought on Bailey and they made three substitutions I think 25 minutes to go and they just completely changed the game and maybe because they just threw everything down their right hand side at Byrne and Botman feel for Byrne a bit solid defensively but I think teams have noticed that he's definitely not the quickest and I think he's even slower after coming back from his injury we just need to be aware of that and when say Villa have got a player such as Bailey coming off the bench, who, for me, he's been one of the standout players of the season. Surely that should be a sign of when he's coming on against an already fatigued six-foot-six bloke who's losing his legs day by day at the minute. I think we need to be a bit more aware. I mean, when we've got two young left-backs, I don't know why they aren't getting the time, which, for me, I think they deserve and also will help strengthen us in those later portions of the game. Yeah, I think he's definitely been isolated, or Dan Byrne, I should say, has definitely been isolated as a, a weak link. Fantastic servant for the club. Great to have, you've got to do the usual preamble, don't you? Great to have a, a Geordie lad playing, a supporter of the club, and he's given us a massive boost and definitely a fan favourite. It's not his fault he's being picked. How is picking him? But unfortunately, it feels like Dan Byrne has to cop the flack. He did the right thing. He probably should have made the change a little earlier against Villa and brought Tino on, but it took a goal and then a disallowed goal to really put the shit up how, and I think he then realised, oh, I've got to do something about this, and I think we then went to a back five, moving Dan Byrne to one of the centre-half positions and then bringing Tino on, which then completely nullified Leon Bailey, and they didn't threaten again. Like, great game management. He reacted. He did something reactive. Great. Wasn't quite the case against Luton, who kind of set up with that Ogbene. Is he a is he a wing back or is he like a right winger? I, I don't know, but they had that Mengi. I think might have been playing centre half, but they had Ogbene, who was just giving. I think Dan Burns probably still having nightmares about Ogbene now. He is one of the fastest players in the league, and BDB just couldn't deal with him at times. 
I thought Luton actually played really well, uh, to give them their credit, but if it's Tino up against that Ogbené, I think it's a different story, isn't it, Ali? It is. And, you know, Dan Burns has been a great servant for the club. Historically, you know, he was part of the 4-1 win where we thumped PSG. Guy mm-hmm. got a goal. So, you know, he can play up against some of the best players in the world. We know that. But I do think that, yeah, as you said, at the minute, he's being used as that scapegoat when things aren't necessarily going right in games. I know I was kind of guilty of that. On I think the game was on Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah. So obviously at half time, I thought that that change was going to be made. But I thought the in-game management from Howe at the time wasn't that great because, yeah, it was, it was too long. I think going into that second half 2-2, if that change was made earlier, I don't think we would have considered another two goals. I certainly think 45 minutes would have been enough for us to get another goal, but I don't think we would have conceded. No. I think there were comments from Bournemouth fans saying the only gripe that they had with Howe is that he had his favourites. It's very loyal, isn't it? And then you could probably say that nine out of the 11 players you can guarantee will start every game. And Dan Burn will always be one of them as long as he's fit. But I just don't think his position should always be at left back. Maybe he should be at left centre back. Mm-hmm. Gives Sven Botman a bit of a break every now and then. And we saw that it worked against Villa when Tino came on and they played five at the back. But yeah, as Gray said, you know, you've got players like Tino and Lewis Hall, both who are very capable at playing in that position. And they've both got pace, which is quite vital when you are in the Premier League. I think those type of players should be starting. But I can probably see why Howe wanted to start with Burn because Luton do have very powerful players like that. Adebayo, he's huge. I think the only type of player yeah. you can mark against him would be Dan Byrne. It's certainly at set pieces. Carlton Morris as well. Yes, yeah, exactly. Still didn't stop them getting a goal from a fucking set piece though, did it? Yeah. I think it was BDB that gave the peno away, which I think was a very dubious call from the referee. I don't, I don't think it was a penalty. I don't think you can be certain that that was in the box. When I say referee, I mean the fucking team in general, but the, the call was not right for me. I don't think you could put your hat on that being a, a penalty or in the box. But anyway, I left that game very fucking frustrated in the end, but it's more a point around poor game management. Yeah. We've lost so many points and we've paid for poor game management. Milan, you know, we were in a really strong position. We could have held on to that lead. I think it was Liverpool earlier in the season, like, we could have done things to hold on to that lead. We just need to learn to shut games out, especially when our squad is so threadbare. There needs to be a time when you park the bus, like we did against Villa. We looked totally comfortable and dominant because we were in such a convincing lead. Well, it was a bit shaky when we thought they went 3-2, but I think it, we we did all right against Luton. I think you have to bear in mind as well, obviously, Callum Wilson's only just come back. I thought when he came on and when Harvey Barnes came on, we looked a completely different team, but we had no recognised striker. And Jacob Murphy back, which is good. Miguel Almiron was playing on the left, which I'd been calling for following his performance against Villa, but didn't really provide that cover for Dan Byrne, tracking back left. Other frustrations I kind of have going into this point is I don't think necessarily our our midfield three work or gel. I know it's kind of a hodgepodge three that we've been put together as a victim of circumstance, but the three of them just constantly look like they're fucking running through mud. Longstaff, Bruno and Miley, they don't have a lick of pace between the three of them, which is another frustration for me. So they don't have that cover for the back four. I just thought it was a bit of a mess in general against Luton. Gray, did you have a, a point before we move on to some exciting news being kind of Barnes and, and Wilson making returns? Yeah, I think it's quite evident how good Ross Barkley is and 
yeah, how well he's playing at the minute. And we just gave him time, space, just to pull the strings. And he completely dominated that midfield. And I think not having the awareness of just putting someone on him and making his life a lot more difficult. Got to give some credit to Barkley, but I mean, we just didn't really, no one was there trying to push him to win a ball. He just picked the ball up with ease, could turn, could pick any pass he wanted. No one was there in his face, like harassing him. Someone like Longstaff shouldn't have let Barkley outside of five yards from him. He's fit enough to stay up and keep up with him. So why not just stick someone on him and just mark him out of the game? He really was key in that result and fair play to him. But it was just driving me mad seeing someone of his quality just get away with that. And I think that might be down to us not really having an out and out six, which, yeah, I guess could lead us on to transfers and things nicely, but we're just desperate for number six just to, to play that role. Yes, and it seemed like it was going to be Calvin Phillips, but it also appears that we've maybe dodged a, a little bit of a bullet there. I think he's not got off to the best start for West Ham possible. Right, I think it's about time we went to a very quick break now, so we will see you in a few seconds. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. App participates in restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, and we're back. And before we get into the second half of the podcast, I should probably do the social plugs. Haven't done those for a while. So you can find our podcast on all major podcasting platforms, Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it, you'll find us on it. We'd really appreciate it if you could give us a follow and if you're feeling super generous, a five-star rating or review. You can find our podcast on Twitter at TOTT Podcast, on Instagram at TOTT underscore podcast, and on Facebook by searching for Talk of the Tune Podcast. Right, let's talk about football again. Turned out to be a very, 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 very quiet transfer window for us. I was definitely expecting some form of movement given Joe Linton's out for the rest of the season, but it's probably FFP restrictions as the club keeps parroting and, and pushing out. But we did manage to move Javi Manquillo on to, is it Real Batiste? Yeah. Uh, was it Villarreal? Somewhere, I don't know, wherever Rafa Benitez is yeah, currently managing. Yeah, just about to say. Yeah, the link-up that no one was expecting. But yes, Javi Manquillo on his way. Uh, he's in Spain now. Managed to get some wages off the bill, but didn't sound like we had a fucking pot to piss in, Ali. Were you frustrated? Were you expecting anything from the, the transfer market? Or did it go kind of as per your expectations? Well, I think the whole FFP rhetoric was set up quite early on in the transfer window. I think when journalists were asking Eddie Howe prior to the 1st of Jan, asking what his activity is going to be in the transfer window, I think he was clearly saying or alluding to that there's not going to be much, given that we don't actually have the power to do so. It was slightly frustrating. I thought that we would have shifted a few players or at least would have tried 
they've shifted a few more players because I think that would be the only thing that would allow us to spend more in that window. But if it means that we are in a stronger position come summer and we stay in the top 10, top 8 of this season, I, I don't think it's as bad as I first expected. But obviously with, as you said, Will, Joe Linton now being up for the rest of the season and obviously Isaac had picked up an injury, which at the time we weren't to know whether it was going to be a short or long-term injury. You're kind of asking yourself these questions thinking, are we even going to make it to the end of the season with our first team here? So yeah, slightly underwhelming, but I can see why we didn't really go into the market. Why? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you raise a good point. I think there's obviously enough confidence within the club, the management team, the hierarchy. I feel like they know something that we don't and players will be coming back. Yeah, You'd hope that someone like Joe Willock isn't too far off coming back. Isaac's injury isn't too serious. You know, we've got Botman back now. Murphy's back, you know, just hoping that these players start to drip and drop back in. And the feeling at the club obviously is that we've got enough to see us through. Managed to get someone who you imagine is probably on quite a big wage in Mankio off the books. And then you look to all the players that are coming to the end of their contract in summer, to your point, Lascelles, Kraft, Carrius, Richie, Dummett and Gillespie. I can't imagine many of those players are going to be retained. I think I'd like to see people like Lascelles retained to give us options. And then Carrius, I don't think you'd probably find a better third choice keeper out there in the market. But the others, you know, you're getting rid of quite a lot of wages from the bill, which should then, doubled up with the increased revenue potential, should hopefully, don't want to use that term war chest, but should hopefully loosen the purse strings to really push on and go on a recruitment drive in summer. But then you think about it on the flip side, by summer, hopefully you'll have Joe Linton back and signed a new contract. You'll have Tonali back. With a full-strength squad and team, Barnes is obviously getting back into it now. I I, I think we're strong contenders with a full-strength team. Yeah, Obviously, it's frustrating to not see anything happen just from an excitement point of view, but I think... The feeling, I don't know whether I share the sentiment, is that there's probably enough to see us through to the end of the season. Yeah. On that point, though, we talked about him, Joe Linton there. He's obviously out for the rest of the season, I think. Is it a groin injury or hamstring? I can't remember. But there is concern amongst the fan base that Joe Linton has 18 months left on his contract. By the time we get to summer, he'll be going into his last 12 months, at which point, obviously, if he gets to 12 months, he'll be available to leave on a free. And the question at the minute is, do we cash our chips in and sell Joe Linton in summer? Bearing in mind that the signals at the minute are that he's not too keen to sign a new contract unless he's the best paid player at the club. Gray, what are your thoughts on the Joe Linton saga without trying to make it too dramatic? (laughs) For me, I really hope he hasn't played his last game for the club. A little bit disappointed if his character is that He's not going to sign this unless he becomes the highest paid player. He's been through thick and thin of a club. Mm. He was our record signing under Bruce and before the takeover. And he's reinvented himself. But I would be very disappointed in him if the reason he leaves or that we have to sell him is because he's holding out for that. If he's got a number, then that's fine. We should be able to, in theory, meet that number. But... I don't know if we're talking, say, 130,000 a week to be our highest paid player, if not a bit more than that, I think 
there could be money better spent elsewhere. And it was a conversation I think we were having the other day about who would we sell if we were going to sell any of our big guns. And I mean, Cholinton possibly isn't a bad shout, but I don't know how much money we'd recoup on him. I think I argued he's he's probably more important for us than someone like Bruno or Isaac, the element that he brings to our game. But I think that the smoke signals are a bit more positive. I'm just reading, it. I think, a, a quote from an interview. I'm assuming this is a quote from an interview it's on Twitter or X, so you can never be fully sure. But yes, of course I want to stay. I feel at home here. My family feels at home. My son has friends here. Oh, cool. Good for him. I love the city. There have been talks. There's nothing close yet, but there's been conversations and it's a good start. So let's hope, fingers and tours crossed, that he signs a deal. As I say, we, we haven't been the kindest to him. No fault of his own being played out of position. He's really been through the ringer, but he now finds himself a fully-fledged Brazilian international and a, a proper stalwart in our team. So, Ali, would you love to see Joe Linton stay? I think the guy's fantastic. I think when he first joined, he kind of had the David and Goliath feel about him. Like He was the small player. He got signed on this huge fee. He was playing terrible football. But you kind of just felt sorry for him. You just kind of wanted him to, to just do better. Mm. So as every game passed, you're kind of willing him to, you know, make a great pass, score a goal. And then, yeah, it wasn't until the Norwich game when uh, Clark got sent off and then he got moved into midfield. And he's just been transformative in that position ever since. Mm. So, yeah, I'd be gutted if he left. But as Gray says, if his demands are in excess of what our current highest earners are, which I think is probably Bruno, which is around the 130 mark, then, yeah, I, I think... I think Trippier's up there as well. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think there's probably money to be better spent elsewhere. Although, that said, I thought the looting game was the perfect game for Joe Linton. I think he would have had... Oh, yeah. He would have had Barkley on lock and he would have shut him down straight away and I don't think Barkley would have got away with half the passes that he did, but that's just my two pence on that. But yeah, he's an invaluable player to us, so I, I really hope he stays. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. But on another point, it's just come into my mind right now, but I was shocked at how quickly, as soon as there was a sniff of Miguel Almiron potentially being sold to Saudi Arabia, how quickly <laughs> the fucking yeah. goodbye and good luck videos came out on Twitter and YouTube for Miguel Almiron. We were already waving him off before he'd probably even heard about the fucking rumours. I really don't like our fan base at times and can be quite toxic, but to be waving a player off already and kind of saying, thank you very much, we'll take the 30 million or 25 million quid or whatever. Don't get me wrong, that'd be a decent deal if we managed to make money on Miggy after having him for, what is it, four, five, six years? Yeah. That'd be a good deal if it freed stuff up. But yeah, I think we can be quite disrespectful to some of our players sometimes, especially given that the season Miggy had last year he was so pivotal in getting us Champions League football. He scored that fantastic first goal against PSG in a game that certainly I won't forget for the rest of my life. I think he garners quite a lot of disrespect. So I'd quite like to see the fans kind of get behind him for the rest of the season. God knows what the future holds, what summer holds for Miggy, but you know, you've got to get behind these players, especially the position we're in with the lack of depth we have and that threadbare squad. What were your thoughts on the potential Miguel Almiron transfer that never was? If it had happened early in the window and it freed up money for us to spend to bring... You turncoat! You turncoat bastard! <laughs> Listen to him! 
at the end of the day, it's all business. We are spoiled for choice when it comes to wingers, especially with like Murphy coming back, Barnes coming back. We've got Gordon, we've got Isaac who can play out there. Livermento, Hall, they all can chip in there. Willix hopefully coming back. Joe Linton when he's fit. Elliot Anderson, everyone keeps forgetting about as well. I know we're playing centre mid more, yeah. I think we're spoiled for choice for people who can play there. And he's probably a player who I would be sad to see leave given how he wears it all on his sleeve because he gives it his all on the pitch and he's constantly got a smile on his face even when things aren't going well but I thought it was an opportunity there but I think for me it came too late in the day and I didn't realise all that about the uh, goodbye videos and things like that which is a disrespectful yeah it must be a bit disheartening for a player as well to see all that come out before anything's concrete yeah it doesn't look great or sound great I don't know if you've seen, but Man City have just announced in the summer they're going to be signing a player called Savio. Yeah. Savinho, I can't remember his name. From Girona. They're going to be buying him from Girona. He is on loan from Troyes in France, owned by the City Football Group, at Girona, owned by the City Football Group, and will be making a permanent transfer to Manchester City, owned by the City Football Group in the summer. Don't hear many people kicking off about that. Do you? No, no, you don't. As soon as there's any hint of Newcastle going anywhere near a player from Saudi Arabia, can't be. Do you remember when they tried to put a fucking vote through about yeah. signing players from Saudi Arabia? Nout has been said about this, and I have no problem with what they're doing, but the hypocrisy in the Premier League at the minute is crazy. The anti-Newcastle bias whenever it comes to transfers. It's jealousy, isn't it, Hallie? It is, it is. Feeling threatened. And then, you you know, we then start complaining about FFP and, you know, alongside the likes mm-hmm. of Villa and Brighton. And then they try and implement a, a, a different approach to FFP, which, you know, you kind of think, oh, great, this might actually benefit all the teams in the league and not just the top six, the ones that are making loads of money already. But I'm pretty sure, I think it was like the other day or two, that there are changes going to be implemented to FFP but they're going to take UEFA's cost approach. I think they kind of limit clubs to spending 70% of their revenue on wages and transfer fees, Mm. which if you look at the likes of Man United, City, Arsenal, those are the clubs in the Premier League that are going to be making a load of revenue because they've got a global fan base and you're still kind of hindering your Villas, your West Ham's, your Newcastle's, your Brighton's. Yeah, I don't think there's been any real changes to FFP. I think it's all just a planter. Keep the top six nice and cosy. One of them conspiracy theories. Yeah, like Grace I feel says, like we need it? a conspiracy section on this podcast. We've had one from Gray, <laughs> got one from me, so uh, I think we need to make it a regular feature. Conspiracy corner. That's quite good. Thank uh, you. Yeah. I think for me, it'd be really fun if the Premier League, instead of implementing that straight away, if they just have a year of clubs doing whatever the fuck they want and seeing what happens. Well, like it used to be. Like, I think that'd just be incredible. It would be fun, especially for us, being the richest fucking club in the world. Allegedly. Allegedly. What are your thoughts on it, Will? Oh, thanks, Ali. I've got no problem with City doing what they're doing. It's perfectly legal. It's fine. It's competitive. If that's the way we want. they want to do it, then let them do it. But don't just be hypocrites. Don't pick on Newcastle United for trying to do it. We've not done it. If anything, we've been shafted by it because... The San Maxima uh, transfer was completely under the microscope the whole time, and we arguably didn't get the fair market rate for him when we sold him. So just fuck off, basically, yeah, with your criticisms, hypothetical situations. And then City have just gone and done it under the radar, and no one's bad a fucking eyelid. But, but there you go. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's their problem. 
while we're ranting about the Premier League, could I throw a rant in, please? Yes. I feel like we're into our 47th hour of the podcast, but yeah, one one last rant and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, complaining about our fans, but our fans have been served a big disjustice by the league and TV rights people yep. by shifting all our away games to ridiculous hours. Any team who travels to St. James's gets a 3 gets p.m. A to one kickoff or a 3 p.m. kickoff. Yeah, we have to travel to London. We're playing Arsenal at half seven. Last train home is at nine. We go to Villa to the quarter past eight and night kickoff instead of the half seven. It's an absolute joke. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so, so hard. I think that the thing to rub the salt in the wounds, obviously there was a, a protest at the Luton game at home. And then I think it was the, the very next day the Premier League announced, I think it was they were moving the Chelsea game at Stamford Bridge to a, an eight o'clock kickoff. On a Monday, isn't it? On yeah. a Monday, just absolutely no consideration, forethought or compassion for the fans that make the game. I think that was a that was really insulting, but it's all about the fucking TV rights and making money for them, isn't it? Fans are the lifeblood of this game. And you're right, Gray, they are being completely shafted in a lot of instances, particularly Newcastle fans. If there's any issues with any trains ever, we're absolutely fucked. Yeah. Ali, what are your thoughts? Because I know you, you put this in the chat beforehand as well. Yeah, I, I do think it's outrageous. And I, I think what the Premier League do, they play on the fact that they know that we, as one of the most passionate fan bases in the UK, in England, will still go to these games, even though they are late for kickoffs. Yeah, whinge about it, but still go. Exactly. And it's atrocious. Like, it's it's awful because for some people, following the club is what they love to do. And rightly so. Like, that's the best thing about football. Like, once you've got hooked, that's it, you're in, right? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately for us, geographical location means that for most away games, we've got a pretty distance to travel. Whereas, you know, teams like Manchester or, I don't know, Arsenal. Villa. Villa, In the middle of the country. You know, they don't have to travel as far. Whereas, you know, if we want to travel to London, door to door, you're probably looking at five hours. And if you get in the coach, it's probably longer again. It's just out of order completely. And I, and I agree with what you've both said, being like, it's outrageous. It's just what you would expect, really, from a Premier League. They've never really held us in high esteem whenever they've made these decisions. No. Shock, Richard Masters is a twat. Fucking who knew? Who knew? It's as if we know more than most fans in this league, but but there you go. Do we feel better now? Was that a cathartic experience for you both? Yeah, it was, yes. Yeah, you, you sound more relaxed. And please, Gray, mention that point, because, yeah, that's, that's one to get off the chest. Well done, well done. I'm proud of us all for not getting too irate. Uh, <laughs> all right, I guess we should probably try and wrap it up there. Lots of positives to take away let's try and be positive so into the next round of the FA Cup facing Blackburn in a few weeks time we got a famed win away at Aston Villa we'll find ourselves ninth in the Prem still in touching distance of where we'd quite like to finish up and we've got some winnable games coming up you would think lots of positives to take but also lots of watch outs Moving on to it very quickly, next game is this weekend away at Nottingham Forest. Obviously, they absolutely pumped us at home earlier in the season, well, just a few weeks ago, uh, where Chris Wood turned into prime Messi. He's going to be injured. I think he's out for the next eight weeks, so we don't have to worry about him. Very quickly, with absolutely no talking other than the result, Gray, score predictions for Nottingham Forest away? 
2-0 win. 2-0 win to the tune. Great. Ali? I think on the back of Luton, I'm going to go 1-1. 1-1. I'm going to go for a 1-0 win to the Mags. Whew. Let's hope we can get some more points on the board and push ourselves further up that table. I think that rounds us off nicely. Good luck to the lads away in Nottingham over the weekend. Thanks for joining us, and we will hopefully speak to you in the next one. Bye-bye now. Oh, me lads, you should have seen us coming. Passing the ports along the road. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal a last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.